Welcome back to a new episode of Dubai Stars. Today I have a very inspirational, motivational, amazing guest, uh, Feride Shimshilova Haddad. Feride, uh, when I, I met her a year ago, when I heard her story, I was super inspired. And seriously, I'm sure everyone hearing this is gonna get goosebumps from knowing your story. First of all, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm really happy to be here. Today. If you don't mind, I want to mention for the guests that are not seeing the video on YouTube, only hearing the podcast, Faridi is eight months pregnant. And that <laughs> says a lot about her. That she's not even resting in bed, she's still coming, doing the work, doing the podcast, doing her proper hustle. Uh, that's something really inspired. Yeah. <laughs> so being a mom uh, already, uh, Faridi had all of the right from coming here without having anything to reaching, having multiple businesses, then uh, changing the businesses. And now she joined us. That's a pleasure yes. having you in Provident Estate. Seriously, we're so happy and thrilled to have you. So as I tell all of my guests, the main reason of this podcast, we just... I uh, want to shine the light on the struggles of any human for us to inspire them that any person can make it no matter what are the circumstances as long as they are pushing hard and keep fighting. Definitely. So let us start by you telling us uh, when did you move to Dubai and why was Dubai the destination that you wanted to move to? Well, first thing first is uh, I came to Dubai 14 years ago, like in 2007, and uh, I was like a little girl. I was like 16, I turned 17, and I came to Dubai. So um, it was a very interesting experience for me because I was supposed to go to London to study English. And uh, I had a few friends that came to Dubai before, and I had actually one of my classmates that her stepfather used to work in Dubai and he used to bring her stuff. So she got me like this plate, you know, souvenir plate that says Dubai. So I had it on my desk and I was like, you know what, why London? Like, why not Dubai? So I just learned a bit like what is this, you know, country about, the city and etc. And then I checked out some universities and I was like, you know what, I want to go there and I want to study there. Keeping in mind that I had only maybe known 50 words of English. I had no idea, I didn't know the language, and I was like, okay, I'm going words. there. <laughs> yes, the words were like, hi, my name is Feride, um, bye, food, you know, and like basic, basic things. So I convinced my parents, we were supposed to go for a vacation, so we went to Dubai for a vacation, mm -hmm. and uh, in the airplane, I was like, let me learn like some extra words. So I learned like 150 words, like pharmacy, medicine, you know? And the interesting part, like I knew the alphabets, I knew how to read, but I didn't know that I couldn't understand the meaning of the words, definitely. So when we reached there, I tricked my parents. I told them, uh, you guys go to the mall. I will go and meet one of my friends in so-and-so university. So I basically went, had my pocket money, went to AUD, saw the surrounding of AUD, and uh, met few people. They asked me a couple of questions that I completely despised. Like, Where's your, where does your dad work? What do you do? And etc. And I was like, okay, this is not the uni for me. Mm -hmm. So I went to UOWD, which is Australian University, Wollongong. And uh, I just went, they told me, yeah, no problem, you can come to the test. I did the test and I went on zero, level zero. I was like, amazing. So um, then I went to my parents and I was like, guess what? I got accepted. They had no idea, like, you know, the difference between mm -hmm. the levels. So I begged them and they kept me here for one and a half month. They said, okay, study for one course and then we will see. So, By yourself, 17 yes, years old. Yes. Okay. So I, um, and then I stayed for one and a half years without going back to my hometown. So I failed many times, the same course, like maybe three times, which was UP level three, I'll never <laughs> forget it. <laughs> but I didn't give up and I was like, no, I'm here to study, like I need to learn. So I learned English, I did seven levels, I did my IELTS course, and finally I passed it from the first time. 
I got 7.5 and then I started my second degree and I joined the university like as a full-term student. Then this is where the fun started. So I started to do like some work here and there because you know as a student you always want to have pocket money. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's how the whole like beginning of the story just what started. What was the work just at us now? The cafeteria and some part-time job? You know? um, I used to work as a promoter mm-hmm. in the malls. How you see people giving perfumes and like bioderma products and all of that. I even worked as a model like for photo shoots. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the majority of it was like promotion jobs and modeling. But, uh, and the pay was like 100 dirhams, 120 dirhams per hour, which was for me, it was like, oh my God, amazing. Because I was making like, exactly, I was like balling. (laughs) And it was pretty cool. But then of course, I also was doing, like I had a lot of contacts that were Kazakh or Russian and Turkish. So they kept on asking me like about properties. Hey, like if I want to buy how much, what, so I had no idea. Then I started to a little bit get to know, you know, of what's happening. So my friends were, of course, like majority of my friends were living outside the dorms because I was living in the dorms. And I was just asking like, you know, how much are you renting for? What are you doing? Then I figured out like there were no set rules and regulations, you know, Uh, 2007 and 2008. This is when they started actually doing, like the reader came later and all the papers and everything. So there were a lot of deals happening and I was just like looking right and left and somebody made just $50,000 and I was like, excuse me, what? I want to be there, like teach me, show me, I want to learn. So I started like with referrals of rentals and for me to make like 3,000 dirhams, which is almost like $1,000 where my pocket money used to be $1,000, it was like, bring it on, like I want to do this. So whenever I used to get people from Kazakhstan or from Russia, friends to come, we used to like do small things, but I witnessed crazy things. Like people were making money, making their millions and literally leaving Dubai and going back to their hometown and building their life and like really settling, you know, in their own home country. Which I know a few people that like till now, they're really living like an amazing life and they're not even in Dubai. Mm-hmm. They're millionaires. So yeah, that's how. And the first apartment I actually rented was in Deck Tower in Marina. It was so funny. I, I was just shadowing a person for the viewing just to learn, to know so that I can actually get my money for the referral amount yeah. that I have brought the client. And when he gave me my uh, first 2,500, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, seriously, that's how much you guys make? And then he explained to me like, the calculations and stuff. And I was like, wow, like this is amazing. So you were in university and yes. you're having your side hustle of real estate. You were in love with it because yes. of the money first. Yes. And then after practicing, you surely loved the practice. You yeah. know, and uh, and I, I always had like a thing for sales. Yeah. I feel like even with my mom, like my mom had shops. Since I was six years old, my mom like always used to have like either department stores or like she started from bazaars in general. And then when the malls came up, so she started, you know, moving with time, of course, evolving. So I used to always be in her shop selling her products that she was selling, like clothes, belts, handbags, etc. So I used to always work and my mom used to motivate me. Like she's like, if you sell, I will give you like, let's say a dollar from this item that you sell. I reached to a point that I would make literally $100 a day, you know? So that was my like kind of motivation mm-hmm. because I always, when I was even in school, I always wanted to have like extra pocket money. So if I study good, I get money. Or if I, if I sell something, yeah, if I behave well, whatever it is, like there is a motivation, but be, behind it, it wasn't just money. It was like a challenge of, okay, can I sell like today on more than $100, <laughs> you know, since I was a kid. I always had money. That's something that like my parents, my siblings, they know. Anytime you come to Farida, you want to ask. She has money. She has money. Yeah. yeah. You know? She's so the one who like can count thing. on the family. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's So awesome. back then you were like, what, 20 years old? You can say? When? When you were in university. Doing oh, I graduated. Uh, I was, I graduated in 2000. 
yeah, I was like 20, 21. Mm -hmm. I finished my uni in like three and a half, four years. So I joined at 17. Yeah, I was like 20, 21. And uh, after making that, a few thousands dirhams, yeah, feeling you're on the top money. of the world. And then where did you go from there? Oh my God. Uh, basically, my mom used to send me pocket money. In the beginning, just to like give a bit of a breakdown, um, in the beginning, she used to send me like a lot of money, but I didn't know the currency. Like I'm used to dollars and the currency that we have in Kazakhstan is like a thousand tinge is a hundred dirhams, roughly speaking. So to me, when I used to see like 365 dirhams for a pair of shirt, it was like in my mind, like 365 tinge, not understanding that a hundred dollars and it's like 36,000. Mm. Mm. So I was like getting used to this whole thing. Then later, uh, once in the dorms, my mom sent me like a big chunk, she sent me $10,000 and she's like split it up and uh, do, do your payments and things. So I had to manage, I had to learn how to manage my you know, money. But by unfortunate luck that I had, the cleaners, they stole the money from the suitcase because at the time wow. I wasn't eligible to an a bank account, you know, I wasn't 18 yet. So I had to hide my money and uh, I used to hide it in a suitcase. I don't do that now. <laughs> okay. Lesson learned. In case, yes. And uh, yeah, they stole my money and then all of a sudden I come home, I realize that I don't have money. I'm literally left with $200. And um, I went to complain, but I couldn't find them. I couldn't catch them. Like, I mean, to them, they made their like year, if not five year. Yeah, and you, know, you don't have no proof. Exactly, and I have zero proof. So I was kind of like really struggling because I felt like, oh my God, what am I gonna, like my worry was not what am I going to do? I was thinking like, what am I gonna tell my mom? Exactly. Like she's gonna kill me, you yeah. know? So I was like, no way I'm going to tell her. Like I have to figure myself out. Mm -hmm. And that was all before like promotions, before all the, you know, hustle side jobs that I had. And I didn't know Dubai well. I didn't know locations, like I had no idea. So I called my sister for two weeks, I struggled. I used the bus by the school, by my university. I would reach to university, literally finish my classes, go to the sports section, have the free water in the cup, okay? <laughs> I swear to God, wait for my bus to take me back home so that I could like cut some potatoes, you know, fry them and or stuff, some or like have some noodles. Have noodles. Yeah. Yes, because I had, I remember to now, coca noodle cups, yeah. okay? I had maybe seven or 10 of them and I had to spread them into one day per day portion mm -hmm. because I refused to call my mom and tell her like, I lost my money because then I'm going to be responsible and she's going to give me so much crap and I don't want that. So it lasted, I lasted like that for two weeks. Wow. Till I started to honestly lose my mind because I had no credit, I had no money and I didn't really know anyone. And at the time, which is my husband now at the moment, uh, we were becoming friends because he plays basketball, I used to play basketball. We just, you know, clicked. So at one point we were sitting like as a gathering as our friends and they were eating and I wasn't ordering anything. So they were like, do you want something, etc. And I was starving, like honestly <laughs> starving. So I was like, no, no, I'm fine, etc. You know, I'm just sitting there. Oh, <laughs> I was like, really, I was going to devour that plate. But mm. I kept my cool and I was like, no, like I'm fine. I'll wait till I get home. Till he was like, come on, Frida, you never eat. Like, what's wrong with you? Please, like, I feel uncomfortable, all of that. And I was like, okay, like, you know, I kept on picking on, like, few things like French fries and stuff. And he's like, what's wrong? I don't know why I was so frustrated because I felt like, you know, of course, internally, I know I'm under so much pressure, but externally, nobody knows what's happening with me. So I looked at him, I'm like, Nothing. And in, in, in the end, like I couldn't really speak properly because I was still under the courses that I was doing in English. So my English was so limited. And imagine like you're in a country that you don't know, you don't have money. Okay. You don't have real friends and that you, you can rely on. <laughs> and on top of it, you can't explain what are you going through? Like you have to keep it here, you know? So that was like, I looked at him. I'm like, one minute, I'll, I'll show you. 
So I showed him literally the whole thing. Like I got up in the middle of a restaurant and I was like, me, he's like, yeah, money. He's like, okay. <laughs> Yo. And I'm, I'm showing him cleaner. He's like, cleaning? I'm like, no, cleaner? I'm like, yes. And I started to run in the restaurant, like running away. So he was like, oh my God, somebody stole your money. I'm like, yes, yes, you know? And um, I wasn't telling him a story for him to give me money. I just wanted to understand like what's happening. And, and that's why I'm like, exactly why I'm like a bit aggressive maybe, or, you know, uh, not in the mood or something. And my friends at the time, they were laughing. They're like, why didn't you tell us anything? And I'm like, I'm fine. So he helped me. And he was very uh, supportive, which what he did, he got me like some, he just went shopping to a grocery store, got me the stuff, and he left it at the door. So when I opened the door, I had all those things, and I was like shocked, you know, somebody like a stranger doing those things for me, and I didn't know who it was actually, but then of course I put two plus two. So my mom calls me and she's like, I'm coming to Dubai. We're gonna go out to an expensive restaurant, have fun, you know, because she thinks I have money. And I'm like, yeah, okay, no problem, come. <laughs> she comes. I have pack of noodles. <laughs> yes. And uh, she's like, okay. I called my sister and I told her, listen, I need you to send me $200, all right? Because I don't have any money, money got stolen. She's like, oh my God, what? Fast forward, she goes to Western Union to send me money. I take a bus in the evening. God bless that taxi driver, I swear. I take a bus. I reach Mall of the Emirates. The counter of, uh, sorry, uh, of Western Union is closed. My sister sends me a message. She's like, it's closed. I can't send your money. I don't have money to go back because there's no shuttle bus taking me from Mall of the Emirates. There's only shuttle bus taking me from Ibn Battuta. I was like, what am I going to do? I took a taxi. I had 10 dirhams in my pocket and I, I uh, collect dollar bills, like one dollar bills. Whenever I see like celebrities or something, I make them sign it for me, just for me. So I had 12 dollar bills in my wallet and 10 dirhams. The taxi driver took me from Malham, it's Ibn Battuta, I remember till now, the bill was like I think 57 dirhams. I literally sat at the back like freaking out that I'm gonna go to jail. I took the tender house, I took all the $12, I put it in the middle, I opened the door and I ran. I ran for my life and I hid in the bathroom. So he was like, oh my God, like, you know, he got shocked. So I hid myself for two hours and the bus that I was supposed to take left. So I was like, what am I supposed to do? I don't know anyone and I don't have any money. I don't even like know how to reach my own house. So this is when I called. The rescue person, Kamel, and I just tried to explain to him to, to meet me to that he, so he could take me home, you know? And he helped me out and this is how this whole thing, he, he kind of like was very generous and like tried to help me and then I explained to him everything with my uh, translator that I got in Deira. I would literally type or I would walk with an Oxford um, translator, like a manual book, one second, I'll answer. Yeah, like that. That was my communication for like three, four months. Till I learned, I passed my eyes and I was like ready to go with, with the language at least. And uh, yeah. <coughs> and you eventually tell your mom about the 10,000? She came to Dubai. We went shopping. I took her out for lunch. And I was like, spent my last money on that lunch. I remember it was in Poles, in city center, Deira. And we went shopping and she's like, oh, I really like these boots. So I stood there in the shop. I swear to God, in the middle of a shop, I just sat and I broke into tears because <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore. I was saying like, no, mom, you know, you can find better. Like, yeah, find it cheaper. Exactly, or cheaper or etc. And she's like, why are you crying? I'm like, mom, you don't know what's been happening to me. I, somebody stole my money and I told her everything. And she looked at me. She's like, you did what? You didn't tell me? For this whole one month, like you're in a completely different country? Are you crazy? What did you do? And then I told her that there's this boy that he helps me and stuff. And she's like, you took money from someone? I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I borrowed it, you know, so I could take you out. She's like, you call him right now, let him come. You have to pay him back and you have to make sure. She gave me so much crap.
But in the end, she was like, why didn't you tell me? I told her it wasn't about pride. It was just that I was embarrassed that I lost such a huge amount, you know? And then that $10,000 is stuck in my head. Now I know value of money, <laughs> like no tomorrow. I make sure that, you know, I, I hide it well. <laughs> so that was the, we can say the first proper lesson in life. Oh, yes. At the university, that's our life, which are the best lessons. Yes, I'm 50%. To know value of money, to make sure you take care of it, you don't spend it, and you really, really take care of like your daily expenses because you never know what can happen to you, and you can apply it in any situation. The same way now, like with Corona, nobody knew that they're gonna be laid off of their jobs, that the pandemic is gonna come, and all of these things. That's why for me, I always tell everyone, and like I always tell myself that no matter how much money you make you spend a little you save a little you invest a little and to me it's like i divide it into like 30 30 30 or like 33 33 33 you know in my mind because it is very important because you cannot spend everything that you make you never know what might arise and what might happen and since that day even in university from the time that i started to make money I was kind of like trying to stick to that part, like to have always cash on the side or have a bank account or something that I have a security to fall back at something, you know? So yeah, it's been, it's been very tough. Like I've lost a lot of money. I've made a lot of money. I have made terrible decisions many times. And maybe sometimes it took me like two, three times to step on the same, you know, you got what I mean, place. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but in the end of the day, I believe like we learn from experiences and no matter where you are in life, the most important thing is what is your takeout on things? Absolutely. Did you learn? Is that ex Was that experience worth it? Because honestly, if you make the same mistake or similar mistake again, it means you didn't learn anything. And you will fall again. And you need to do that again. You need to go through that again in order to really understand. It has to burn you to the spot to really understand what you want to do next and to learn your lesson. Tell me when you introduced your mom to Kamel. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I introduced them in City Center Data. Uh, he was walking with like, I remember like he bought like something in Giordano just to pretend that, you know, he's just walking there by himself having an ice cream. He's going to kill me, but okay. So, um, after that I introduced them and my mom was like, oh my God, he's so tall and he has blue eyes. Where is he from? Is he Russian? I'm like, no, he's not. He's Arab. Like he's from here, but his mom is German. So she's like, honestly, he can pass on as my son. Like, you don't even look like me. I was like, oh, okay, she found a new best friend, you know? I'm like, you're really lucky. She liked him from the first time she saw him because he was so, like, um, well-mannered. And, of course, the fact that he have helped me in the time of, like, need and he's a complete stranger. Like, we were not dating. We were not friends. We were not even acquaintances. Exactly, we couldn't even talk. We just had common people in between, which shows you that people that you meet in your life, you never know who can come from like which angle or which place that can really change your life and and you know make you realize so many different things. Yeah, she really liked him and then from that point onwards we kind of started to become friends Like we started to play ball together We started to like our friends were uncommon and he started to teach me and Guide me like with my English like he was the person that I was talking to in English most of the time And then he would introduce me to his friends. So like my practice started to become better. How long it took you to let's say um, To speak English in a fair way. I'll tell you I joined university after seven and a half months. So it took me like seven and a half months of studying hardcore uh, grammar and practicing my speaking. So in this seven and a half months, this is the time that I was friends with, you know, his friends and his friends with him to the point that when I actually went to my IELTS, the highest score I got was my speaking, which wow. actually pushed it, the whole mark to 7.5. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, like I haven't even realized, but what he would do, 
he would correct me bluntly. I had issues like I would get confused between he or she. So if I'm speaking to a guy, I would be like, oh my God, she is so funny, you know? He would look at me and he would be like, he every day, he. He kept on correcting me and I was getting like really pissed off. And like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just get it? Or like something so silly like kitchen and chicken, for example. I don't know why, but I got mixed up between those two. So he kept on telling me till one time his father, like firmly, I remember we were like at lunch gathering with the friends and his dad was there. So I kept on laughing and saying like, she to Camel, you know? And his dad looked at me and he's like, Feride, he is a man, you don't use she, you use he, you know? Like the way he said it, I was like, I just okay. like my dad talking to him. I was like, okay, so before I would open my mouth next time, I would like heart, hardly think. <laughs> not to make a mistake and those things have helped me till um, once I passed it was like of course taking different subjects like math economics IT that I used to do in my language in Russian in Kazakhstan I'm doing it in English I had to put 150 times more effort than any other student out there because they were like not just outshining me they were they knew more because they finished school in English and I haven't so I had to put like live in a library and study much more than anybody else to pass on my courses with at least minimum of passing 70% because the passing mark at the time was like 55%. But I didn't want that. I wanted like at least decent, you know, marks. And uh, till my mom got hospitalized, like very uh, seriously, she almost died. And it was my last semester. And I failed the same course three times. First time I failed it genuinely because I didn't know the subject, mm -hmm. accounting. Second time, it was because the teacher just did not like me. Like my best friend cheated from me on the exam and she passed and I failed. How? Impossible. You should have told her like, this is my answer. Yes. And on the third time he failed me, I literally went into his class, uh, into his office. Uh, I remember my mom was in a hospital and she kept on calling me so that I could speak to her before she gets into a heavy surgery. So I asked him, can I please step out? Like the guy had something against me, 100%. He's like, how dare you, etc. Give me your ID, get out of my class. And I'm like, you know what? I took the phone, I answered my mom and I walked out. Of course. Then he's like, you're not coming into the, my course, get out of my class, like you're not accepted anymore. You failed. I'm gonna basically like you're gonna fail the course. I went to him and I was like, I went into his office and I remember till now like I was super rude, but because halas I had it like till you know I, the subjects are so expensive. My mom is in the hospital. Like my sister and my mom are like paying for my subjects and I also have to pay from my pocket because I'm working and I want to graduate. And this guy has something like I don't know in his head against me that has nothing to do with me, you know. So I went and I, I spoke to him and I told him, you know what? I'm gonna pass your subject and you're going to pass me because I didn't do anything wrong to you. So when the exam came, magically, the guy got sick. So there was a replacement teacher who came in the exam and had to mark our Are papers. Are you sure he didn't do anything about that? I, yeah. <laughs> so um, when I went to him again and again, and once the teacher, the new teacher came, I was like, honestly, ready to just like, I was so shocked. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I did my exam in 25 minutes, although we get two hours. I got the highest distinction in this subject, okay? So the teacher did not believe. So Mr. Munir, my God's teacher, he had to go to this teacher and he wanted me to take a retest. And I told them, I'm not taking a retest. This is an official test. She's another teacher. Is he even allowed to do that? Yeah, he isn't. But he was like, how did she fail in my three times of my courses? And the only time and I missed it. And the only time I missed it. She passed, there's something wrong, you know? And the teacher was like, she knows everything. So a bit fast forward, the accounting 200 and 300, I was taking it with this teacher, all right? With the new teacher. She's a South African lady. Leone Giusti, I remember her name. And uh, I swear, because I've taken an accounting of 100 level three times, I have passed 
the rest of the accounting classes with flying colors. And she was like, how did you get stuck? I'm like, I don't know. But the thing is, because of my major uh, business administration, I had extra courses of marketing, management, finance, accounting. Most of my friends left the course. They're like, it's too tough. We don't want to do it. And I'm like, no, I registered on it. I'm going to graduate from it. Even if it's going to take me like, I have to repeat the same course seven times, I will do it because if I don't know it, then it means I have to take it to know it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not the type of person who will give up and be like, no, you know, I don't want to do it. Of course, I had that idea and I like would just want to drop everything and just go home and cry. But I was like, no, I know that I can do it. So I kept on You are a very myself. stubborn person. I, I'm super stubborn. Since you have started talking from coming here at 17 yes, years old, I'm very telling stubborn. your parents I got accepted, as if you're staying for two months and you stayed for yes. two. This is all shows about your character that you're a person that likes challenges. You always want to prove it, not to the world, you want to prove to yourself that you can make it. And I'm not sure who influenced you in the way or who you were inspired My mom. by. My mom is my biggest motivator. She is the biggest role model for me because honestly, she came from nothing and she's given us a life and uh, she taught us so many things. She has never given up on us. She always supported us. And whenever like I feel like I'm down, even if she's not around, I swear, I will just like, I have some of her clothes, like t-shirts or dresses, I'll literally take her clothes like, and I will like, if I can't speak to her or for some reason or something, I'll just like get her essence and I'm like, no, I can do it. Like I can't, I can't, you know, I can't give up. And I'm sure for me, like I have a motto. The most important thing is your loved ones are healthy and safe and I am healthy and safe, like in a sense of everything is right with me. I have two hands, I have two legs, I have a head on my shoulders. If anybody else can do it, then I can do it, you know? So to me, the most important thing is love and care is the cure. So if things around you are fine, there is nothing and no one that can stop you. This is something that I believe in since I was like a kid. But of course, because my mom showed me that, she always told me, it's okay. Like she wouldn't be like, of course, paying out of her pocket just because I'm like not going to classes or failing on purpose. Most of my friends were blowing their money in clubs, buying cars, going like Dolce Gabbana and Armani and all of that. I had all of this since I was like in grade one because my mom used to deal with expensive brands and she used to travel to Italy in those days, like we're talking about 1996. So like I had that and it doesn't make me a person, it does not describe me, describe who I am. And I believe that materialistic things, I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong to have them, but you shouldn't define your life based on those things. It's not everything, you know? That's the way you learn. I mean, you have to buy them. Yes. Thinking like if I buy this shirt or this jeans or I'm going to impress people and then you will find out like it didn't make any difference in your life and then you will understand that you can buy whatever you want to buy. Exactly. You know what I mean? The people that can afford things, I always thought about it. I believe that if I can buy this phone twice, then I can afford it. If I cannot buy twice the same phone, then I cannot afford it. That's just how I look at it. Because in the end of the day, I will not spend my last money on uh, an expensive phone or on sunglasses or on whatever, anything materialistic. I'm not that type of a person because I feel like my mom done a great job by engraving it into us. Since we were kids, value of money, number one. And number two, we had, like my parents had everything and then they lost everything, you know? They've been through such big hits in their lives and we were a part of it. Like we've seen our parents like bringing cash literally to the house and stacking it into the safe, you know? From like my dad being entire business and having like a factory of their own and etc to like literally having nothing and then coming back again and living a good life, studying in good schools and all of that. So I think that have taught me a lot, but also my own mistakes, of course, I've made my mistakes like millions of times. I'm gonna come to that. So yeah. now we're gonna say like within four years, 
got to speak the language. Definitely. You met the man of your life. Yes, we're still back together. Back then, <laughs> back then maybe it was a boyfriend or fiance. But he was a, actually he was a boyfriend, but then like literally in three months he became a fiance. Like he proposed to me after he properly knew me. Like we were friends for six months, but I would say like three months after properly getting to know me, he proposed to me, and I said. Or, or not to know you, to understand you. <laughs> yeah, to understand me exactly. <laughs> to understand me, you're right. And uh, then it's just because we come from different cultures and like for us we have different traditions and stuff. But he was very stubborn and... Uh, so like we have something mutual. Yeah, so we have something in common. <laughs> and uh, he, what, like the way he did it, he did it from like uh, honestly a very, very um, manly side of his. And the way he went and asked for my hand and spoke to my parents and presented himself and everything, it showed that okay you're gonna tell me no like my parents said no three times he still went and still asked and still you know kind of like persuaded this whole situation so and our relationship like we're more than friends more importantly we're friends than anything else and like we we talk and we discuss things like we build our lives he knows and i know that both of us have invested into each other and build we've built our lives on our own nobody have helped us Nobody have like literally came and said like here is the money, here is the house and although he's local, you know, and people think like oh Emiratis are very rich and all of that. Like no, that's not the, you know, how do you say that word? Um, that's not the reality of, of the situation here, you know. Some families of course they're very wealthy and everything but it just depends on the person. Like him, he didn't want to take anything from his parents. He wanted to grow himself and we wanted to grow together. So that's how this whole thing started. And in those four years, I've learned a lot of things. I've learned how to do my own websites, start my like first business that I was selling like bracelets and clothes in university that I was wearing because people were interested in what I'm dressed in, you know, and um, making money from there, like from any angle I could make money and I could learn anything. I'll go for it. And he was respecting that by you being a self-entrepreneur. Always. Never have he ever. Like that's one thing that I extremely respect and love about him. If I tell him tomorrow, like, Kamel, I want to go, for example, just, you know, hypothetically speaking, I want to go and sell underwears because they're going to make those kids look, I don't know, cute. He'd be like, you know what? If you really believe in it, like it's the worst example I can get, but... <laughs> He always motivated me. He always supported me. He never ever told me like, no, you can't do it. You know, he might have always questioned the journey and give me the examples of like, how do you think this would work? He would guide me through it. But in the end of the day, if I wanted to do something, he would always be so like, support. go ahead and do it. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, so which is honestly, is one of you. the best things to have in, mm. you know, in a partnership. Because usually this will last only until the wife gets pregnant and yes. then stay at home. Now you're a mom, full-time mom, rest the kids yeah. and leave the rest for me. So It's interesting because one of the, I think, most things that he constantly used to tell me is that I am so, he's like, I'm so proud every time that whenever it comes to me, like I always take care of myself. You know, I don't need a man to take care of me or I don't need somebody to take care of me. Like I'm independent on my own. But in the end of the day, of course, we're a family and you know, uh, he does his part, I do my part. But he always used to be proud of this, of like, okay, Feride, no matter where you leave her, basically, she will find a way to make money or to take care of herself. And my dad used to always say this to me and my, my sisters. He's like, if I throw you guys in the desert, like in the desert, in the middle of nowhere, both of you will die, but this one, she will find an oasis or like, you know, or find a scorpion or something. Like she will find a way. So I guess maybe that's also ha had an effect on me as a kid. Because like the amount of motivation and support that I used to like always get from my mom and knowing that like, the expectations, and the they, expectations have they had yeah. of me, it was like pretty much, I would say, like shaped me, you know. And yeah, okay, I would screw things up. But then in that, I'll be like, okay, what is the worst that will happen? I'll start again. I'll start again? Yeah. And which is like where I am, you know? Like, I'm okay. I start again. It's it's fine. I don't feel like, I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not embarrassed. I shouldn't even say those words, you know? Like, there's nothing wrong with it. 
I'm 30 years old. I have open and closed businesses, several businesses. I have been in different industries from HR to events and sales in different aspects of businesses. And I still have so much to learn and I still am looking forward to so many different things. But definitely the last two years of my life, of our lives have been the biggest lessons of all the lessons that we had. And with the Corona situation, it have showed me so much that I was like, to myself, I'm like, the most important thing is to be healthy. Your family is healthy. Nothing else matters. Yes, nothing else matters. Money comes and goes, luxury things come and go. All of these things, they mean something today, but they mean nothing tomorrow. But the most important thing, and I think the value and the richness that you can, honestly, and the power that you can have, you can have a power within your own house. Your family is your power. This is what I believe in. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you all got to know this lesson. I still even remember during Corona, even looking at the cars, I'm like, I'm not feeling like I want to drive them. I was looking at the watches, I'm like, so what? Like, what can you do me right now? Nothing. See, it was like, I'm stuck at home. Yeah. I'm happy with my shorts and the t-shirt. I didn't want to see all of this stuff. So yeah, this was a huge eye-opener for us that we really need to focus on what matters. And what matters, as you said, is family and the loved ones. Yeah. Take me now to... Okay, you are a very successful uh, salesperson. You start doing your massive sales. You got the, the big commission, the, the fat checks, as we call yeah. them. And then you I reach a stage. <laughs> <laughs> and you reach the stage where do you decided that you want to open your own. And it wasn't actually me uh, who opened it and decided it. Like It was just uh, my husband and his uh, friend we were just literally chilling in the garage, like in our house. And uh, my husband came and he's like, after me eating a cow on businesses and working for a company that I was absolutely unhappy and I hated my life, okay? He was coming to me with a business idea. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, look, I don't mean to be not supportive, but all I'm trying to say is that the business needs like a lot of time, a lot of determination. And he has a full-time job. So he was like, listen, like, I always support you. I'm like, look, I support you. You know what? Okay. Take, you know, the amount, like whatever you guys set in, look at the cost and etc. and do it. Because I don't want you to come back to me later and be like, listen, I came to you mm -hmm. and I told you. And like, I supported you, but you didn't support me. So, you know, and it wasn't like... For me, it wasn't coming from not being supportive. For me, it was coming from like, I already have burned myself so many times. Like I had two department stores in Dubai. Like we've opened, like, you know, we've done things and we've done businesses, but they didn't work due to, not because I didn't work hard or not because we didn't, you know, put the time and the effort. It was just the retail crisis came, like unfortunate, you know? It's just the wrong timing. You're in the wrong time in the wrong place. I just wanted them to understand that. And I told them, go ahead, like what, we're gonna lose like another few hundred thousands of dirhams, you know? It can work or it cannot work. So go with that mentality, you know? Be ready, basically. They went, they started, and they were doing pretty good. They started in Business Bay. They took an office, like they started doing pretty good. Of course, like they were learning the first year. In that year, I was working for a company. At the time that I already gave birth to my son and he was like six months old, I felt like after the struggles that I've been through with my businesses and I got cheated and scammed so many times by my closest friends that stole money from me, took money from me, like that's why I always now believe, like my mom used to say, without the paper, you're nothing. So now, anything, I love you, you're my best friend, yes, you're a family, but I'm sorry. It has to be written. Sign the paper. Let's write it down, <laughs> you know, like, no more, it doesn't work with me. So they started and I was miserable at my job. I was a regional events uh, manager for golf marketing group and uh, my boss was making my life just terrible. Like she was older than me, we were in the same position. I wasn't even, you know, supposed to report to her, but in the end of the day, like she just maybe saw me as a competition and you know, 
didn't want me there, I would say, like, frankly speaking. And uh, I reached, like, till my limit, and I'm like, you know what? No salary is worth it. I was working for, like, 48 hours straight. I was not home. I was not seeing my son. My husband had to bring my son to, like, big events that we were doing so that I could actually see him and spend time with him. And to me, I was like, I don't want to give up, you know? I don't want to give up. Like, I can't let go because, like, okay, it's a proper job that I have. They're paying very well, like, I'll just suck it up, you know? I won't, like, complain or say anything. Let the probation, like, pass, and then I will slowly, slowly, like, figure myself out. Then I said, no money is worth it. Uh, till, like, last day of my probation, I, I, I just, I left. I was like, I can't do it anymore. And I was so mentally drained. I was falling, going, like, into depression, and I'm the type of person who never goes through depression. And I told my husband, I'm like, listen, I left. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go home. Like, I need to spend time with my mom. I'm taking Hamdan. We're leaving for like one, two months back to Kazakhstan because I just need to like chill and understand like, where did I go wrong, you know? And uh, at the time, his company, they were still doing, you know, conducting business and stuff. So him, of course, being as usual, my savior, in like literally a few hours, he got the guy, he did my business cards, he went, he registered me in Rira, like he's done everything and he's like, listen, everything is ready, you go to Kazakhstan, you relax, you etc. He's like, you are a born salesperson. He's like, just come, learn it and do it properly. And I'm like, I don't want to work with you. Like, I don't believe in something that we should be working together. It's very difficult. There's a very thin line, you know, so you don't want to cross that. And I went, I took my break, I came back, and I'm like, okay, let me try, because he kept on pushing, do it, do it, do it. I went, I did my courses, I passed, I sat down, I studied the market and everything. And he, they gave me the leads of, because they've been already operating for almost a year, old, old, old leads. So I called and called and called, and I got one client, my first client, she doesn't know that she was my first client. <laughs> um, she was basically in the industry herself for 13 years. And she used to rent for 13 years. She came as a lead to me as a one bedroom, or sorry, as a one bedroom apartment for Azizi. All right? I sold her a three bedroom townhouse, secondary wow. market. And it was my first deal. When I did that, and it was literally, I called her, we spoke, I met with her, Camel guided me through just a bit, you know, and uh, like we closed the deal together. Like he just helped me, you know, with like technicalities and stuff, just in case. And, uh, but everything else, I did it all. I did the viewings, I did everything. Just the paperwork was the one that I was like not sure about it. So when we sold it, it took me literally a week. From the time that I met her, maybe like one viewing, we selected the unit, and I had that unit direct because we sold it off plan before, one of my team members did. And uh, I sat with her like, she didn't even think that I didn't know real estate. And she asked me like, how long you've been in the business? And I was like, yeah, I've been like an agent since two years. I had to, you know, I couldn't show her that, like, I don't know, you know, because she would have been skeptical about it. But then uh, we closed the deal, everything went fine. Now we're friends. So she knows. That's how it goes. Yeah. Always. You know? Yeah. And uh, it was like, everybody was shocked. They were like, how did you do it? How did you do it? And then, like, I just, like, you know, I asked Show the person, property. Pretend that very I know everything. Persuasive. I don't have yes. You need to know your, I believe in this. Whatever job you do, you need to make sure you know it from A to Z. Because if you don't, you shouldn't be doing it. You should be like, I would say, a guidebook or like an encyclopedia of specific things that you do. Because majority of people that actually get wrong feedback or wrong impressions or don't like certain services, not for the services or for the product itself. Misinfo. It's for the misinformation of that product or of that of those services that being provided to them. And then they get stuck with the person. Then they start to do what? They start to generalize everyone the same, which is right now what's happening in the market. 
You but understand, you can relate to what course, I'm saying. Of course, and the way I always tell people, like, guys, listen, the investors or whoever coming to you, he wants to buy something. He has the money because he's a smart person. He made the money. So when he speaks to you and he feels like he has information more than you, it's a turn off. He's gone. Definitely. He needs to see value in you. And once he sees the value, I promise you, he will stick to you. People don't like to talk to 20, 30 yes. agents. They want one knowledgeable guy. That's it. That's my guy. And uh, they can do it. You know what I mean? Yes, but you definitely. need to know your information. That's 100%. It's, yeah, it is. It's very, very important. It's very crucial. <coughs> So then, this was my first deal, and I was like, oh my god, did we just sign? I couldn't believe it. Like, MOU is signed, everything is signed. So it took us like to do one month. After one month, we did the transfer. But everything went smooth, everything was fine. Then I saw the second unit, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm getting a hang of this thing. I like it, you know? And those people were from old leads, one-year-old leads. I just told them, give me the leads, let me make my mistakes and stuff, at least now. If people don't want to buy, they shut their phone on my face, like, okay, fine. And I was like, I felt like I'm gonna prove myself that I'm not out of the game. You know, like in sales in general. I know that I can sell a dead rat to anybody, but it's my choice, you know, how to do it. And as a type of person, I have a very, very high integrity <coughs> when it comes to clients. I will never pitch them something that, for example, just because a developer or you're making more money, you're going pitch to that, pitch that project to them. I don't believe in that. I believe in the fact that that client should stay with you and become your loyal customer so that he can give you referrals. Absolutely. For That's the time, how you grow your network. Yes, for the time being that I was in quarantine, and a lot of things have changed and I was thinking like, what am I going to do? The only clients that were coming to me at this specific moment and the sales that I have done, which I was like not even expecting to do those sales, were from my referrals. As Spencer says, like referrals are, you know, your best friends in the end of the day. Like, these are your biggest clients that will constantly generate you money. A referral is 90% closed deal. Yes, it because is. Because they have been told like, this person is amazing. He yes. will get you the they best, best product, everything. So you need to select for them what fits their requirement or what's good for them. And here you go, that's it. Yes. Referral is already closed, always. Yeah. And then Kamal told me, he's like, you see, I told you, I told you, this is for you. So I was like, okay, let's go. Like, what's next? What do we do? And then I started to get like to, into off-plan, understanding secondary market, learning, going to trainings, focusing and you know on different different things. And in the meantime, like I was not really like I was an agent. Yes, he owns the company, he's my husband, but I was like, I don't wanna be in management, I don't like I want to be, you know, Sweet. sales. Then of course things changed, different partners came and left, a few years passed, etc. We moved and like we've done really good with like we've become number one with a few of the developers and stuff and i've learned and i've learned and then i started to see the management part of it that there's so many things that are like lacking there are things that are not happening nobody's taking the things seriously everybody's just after the money you know like oh you need to like to the dirham to the dot you know like it's people are forgetting that why are they in this yes you are in this industry to make money but you also need to be human about it you know and uh, there is like a lot of effort to that owners of real estate companies that put into this specific house for you to operate. But the thing is, people don't understand that the agents, they just want to take, 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 like, you know, and they don't want to give. You don't know what's the cost behind Exactly. They don't understand <coughs> it. They, they don't even. And the thing is, forget about they don't understand it. They don't even want to understand it. You know, it's like, okay, you give me what I want and that's it. I, I make you 50% or 40% or whatever percent and it's okay, I make you money. For me, the way I look at it, agents, they are not uh, just agents. I always said it, show me a business, bring me a business that gives you 50 or 60 or 40% Without you of, investing in it. Exactly, of their own <laughs> pot, from their own cake, without you putting a dirham into it, a dollar into it. Show me a business. If you show me that business, I would want to be a part of that business. You know what I mean? But there are partners. We as real estate agents, 
we don't work for agencies. That's not how we should look at it. We work with agencies. Because without an agency, we're not successful. Like Without the services and the things that the agency provides, we cannot be successful on our own. Do you agree with me? Yes, sir. No? Listen, I had the Support. two phases. Okay. I had the, the first phase when I was an agent myself. And I always had the same mentality. It's like, whatever I do, they take 50% from me. Like, they're sharing my plate and half. I'm doing the running around. I'm doing this and that. I had it in my That's mind. That's good I that you, you know that. That's good. And then, after like a year, when I started indulging in businesses and seeing the trade license, the visas, the sponsorship, the portals, this and that, and I'm like, wow, thank God they used to give me 50%. And imagine, it's they a should give me 25%. Percent. Yes. And you know what? And then I saw it and I'm like, wow. So, being an agent yourself, you have no cost. You close, you make money. You don't close, yes. you don't have to spend. While these guys that they have yes. invested funds, exactly. they are under stress from the day one of the months that they started with minus and they need a week or two to break even and then whatever is left will be a profit yes. which is not like steady it goes it's up not. and down because Dubai is seasonal yes so I'm like okay I, I understood the value of a company and when a company invests in you by giving you the best access to major portals or to doing roadshows or to doing your marketing yes. you're doing your email or your SMS I mean yeah yeah so for me, it was like I was seeing all of this from both sides, but also because I believe that I'm not a, I'm not a greedy person. Like since I know myself, and maybe like you can ask whoever you want, I always look at opportunities. How can we make money? You know, it's not like I, me, etc. So I always looked at this from a different angle. Like, okay, fine, but why they're not understanding? You know, because in the end of the day, because money comes out of my pocket, right? Like our pocket. So it reached to a point that I felt like I don't want to spend my money anymore on your hard earned money through yes. years during commissions yes. to be now when you feel like I'm Paying losing expenses it all. and doing all those things. Yeah. Because eventually me and Cameron we became partners. So it was like it's one. You know, anyways, however you look at it, from the beginning to the end, it was like one, one person, right? So, I just felt like I know what I bring to the table. And I know that by managing, doing the trainings, doing international sales, doing local sales, doing campaigns, being a part of like all the events, and you know, like spending my energy on all of those things, I felt like... I am doing something wrong. You're not as productive as I'm you like, used to be. Yes, okay, I make sales. Because your sales. energy is everywhere. Yeah, my, my energy is so diversified. Yes. So I thought about it. I'm like, listen, if I have, if I put all this energy and all this strength into one thing, which is selling, that's it, just sales. So I'm very focused when it comes to to work or to anything in general. If I want to do something, I just go and I do it. So for me, it was like, okay, now I know what I need. Now I know what I want. I no longer want to spend any money that we make on things like portals, admins, photographers, and, you know, costs and costs and costs and costs. So I just thought about it and I'm like, a business needs to make you money. It needs to make you, make happy. you happy. It needs to make you happy then it needs to make you money. If it doesn't make you happy and it drains you, I'm sorry, then it's not a business. At least when you it's are happy, it's a liability, exactly. So I was like, no, that's it. I just stood up one day and I told my husband, I'm like, look, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to find like a different way and this is what I want to do. Because I believe that I can make so much more and I can be so much more happier and self-like, satisfied you know with one two three for example and he's like okay then then you do that we do that and, and that's it and this is why i was like imagine with the resources like i'm a resourceful person so imagine if you actually give me the actual resources and you give me the time like hello you won't be able to stop me you know like i know that 
but it's just now because I'm pregnant. I'm just taking it a bit easy. But definitely, like you know, by, by November, I I'm gonna be back out there and like smashing things basically. So you decided to uh, shut down that company and yes. join the biggest company in the country, yes. which is us. Thank yes. you and welcome on board. <laughs> Thank and we you. cannot wait for you for November to be <laughs> killing the targets, smashing the sales. Uh, here you go, guys. You just heard it. Coming from Kazakhstan, 17 years old with the pocket money, having no resources, having no connections, not even speaking the language, doing what you have achieved so far. We are all very proud of you. Thank, Thank you for sharing your experience with us. It's Thank very inspirational, and I hope everyone listening to it can even feel to reach you anytime on your Instagram, Definitely. on your Facebook, on your LinkedIn. What's your account name? I am Feride on Instagram. So it's, it has underscores. Uh, no, just I am, I am Feride. Feride. Feel free to reach her anytime. She's very supportive, very helpful. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Really, I had a blast and I really hope that it helps somebody or just guides one person at least. Absolutely. That That's the purpose of the yes. podcast. Thank you all for watching Thank and you. see you soon in the next episode.